0: Welcome, one. Welcome all. The Michael Show back on the air. Packers make the announcement that uh, that they are indeed going to be hosting uh, Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, I'm which to be honest with you, I'm looking forward to. Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys are coming into Lambeau Field. And, um, you know, we know that, uh, you know, Mike is going to be all amped up for that one. Packers are going to be amped up, for more so Packers fans than anything, but it'll be the reunion of Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. In the meantime, does Aaron Rodgers have enough weaponry around him? Mark Schofield, the NFL Wire, joining us uh, over on the hotline. Mark, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be back with you. Excited to chat a little draft. I know it's been a while.
0: Yeah, it's uh, so. Give me first of all. Let's get get your impressions of just what you thought of the Green Bay Packers side of the draft.
1: You know, I, I I actually really liked it. I know going into the draft, I know a couple of times when I was on with you. Certainly after the Devontae Adams trade and then Green Bay having those two picks in the first round, there were many expectations that they would draft a wide receiver with one of those two selections, and I think the way they went about it going defense, defense with those first two picks and then addressing receiver at the top of the second round. I think it speaks to the talent on the defensive side of the ball and the depth of the wide receiver position because wide receiver did look like one of the deeper position groups in this draft class. And rather than say reaching a little bit earlier on one of those guys, they were able to add two very talented defenders uh, from that Georgia defense and Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, two guys I think are great fits for what they want to do defensively. And then at the top of the second round, get Christian Watson, who I think very talented wide receiver. There's a lot of potential there. Certainly needs a little bit of growth and development, but uh, I think he can be a very nice offensive weapon out of the gate. He can certainly help in the return game as well. So I really like the fit for Washington with the Green Bay Packers. And then, when you sort of get later down into the draft, you look at the, the offensive lineman from UCLA, Sean Ryan. A lot of people thought that look he might sort of sneak into you know second round, maybe into the first round, perhaps. There were a lot of people that when they watched Carson Strong, the Nevada quarterback who ended up um, undrafted, they came away really impressed with Romeo Dubs, and then the pass rusher from South Carolina, Kendall Ngare, he got some first round buds going you know out, out of the sort of football season and into the start of the draft season. So to get him where they did, I think, was great value. So in the end, I can't, I think this was a very good draft for the Packers. I like a lot of the players that they added. I like the way they went about it. You know, They didn't force that receiver pick and get great value in those two Georgia defenders. And I think it was really just a good draft cycle for the Packers.
0: When uh, the Packers bolstered their defense, I think we all thought, okay, now they've got the depth not only for defense but for special teams, which we all know was a bugaboo last year for them. Do you feel that this team has gotten better in that depth department?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of these selections, you know, particularly Watson, too, it's a nod to that, you know, bugaboo on special teams. We saw that sort of rear its head in the playoffs with that loss the San Francisco 49ers special teams was an issue for the Packers all last year. And I think you look at the athleticism of Quay Walker, you look at the athleticism of Watson, you know, Dubs and some of these other guys, they could certainly contribute on special teams and help to improve that area because it was a flaw for the Packers last year. And I think that, you know, the draft picks that they made and the athleticism that they added is a nod to that. And so, you know, even if Quay Walker is not a starter or a, you know, down to down every down linebacker in week one, He's somebody you're going to see on special teams. And I think that goes for Watson and some of the other players that they added. And so I think depth was also an issue they needed to address along with special teams. And they accomplished that with this draft class.
0: The uh, the Packers, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, need weaponry. Do you feel, I feel that this team is going to make another move before it's all said and done. I think they're going to go out and find one of these guys like a Jarvis Lane. Somebody's going to say, you know what, I'll take a little bit less money to go get a legitimate shot at, one, winning a championship, two, at having a, a, this quality quarterback throw me the football, which in essence would then up my value because my statistics would naturally go up. Do you think the Packers are going to make a move, one more move, before it's all said and done?
1: You know, I, I think absolutely, you know, and what we're seeing right now is the sort of free agency market is kind of, you know, petered out a little bit, you know, now we're going to get into the the time of year where players either, you know, wait to see if there are injuries that happen during camps players, wait to see if, you know, there's other movement that's happening. And you're going to see the veterans sort of become more attractive to teams. And conversely teams become more attractive to veterans. And when you mentioned Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones is another veteran that's still out there. You know, I haven't seen any news on the Odell Betton Jr. front, another player that's still out there. You know, T.Y. Hilton, for example, another receiver that's still out there. There are still receiving options that are available right now. And like you said, when it gets to be, you know, late July, early August, when training camps start to really be on the horizon, these players that haven't had that sort of type of success in the playoffs or haven't had the chance to play in a Super Bowl are going to look around the landscape and realize that, you know, the Green Bay Packers are a favorable destination because, one, you have Aaron Rodgers, which we have seen over the course of the NFL, particularly the past, you know, 10, 15 years, the opportunity to play with an elite talent at the quarterback position is a draw, not just for receivers, but free agents overall, because it gives you that chance to play into the playoffs. You look around uh, I, sort of team landscapes, ahead. right? You look yeah. at the NFC. If, you, if you're a player that's sort of going after a ring, you want to go to the AFC, which looks to be loaded, well, do you want to go to the NFC where it's like, yeah, you know, the Bucks could be, could be good, the Rams could be good, the Packers could be good. That's a lot of question marks. If you're a veteran that wants to win that ring, your odds at going to one of these NFC teams probably a little bit better than going to the AFC where you've got maybe seven, eight, nine, ten teams that look like they could make a run out of that conference.
0: So I, I, the whole thing to me, and I thought one of the things that the Packers did address was the fact that their offensive line was get looking, at least, appearance-wise. I know that you still have Elton Jenkins and, and David Bakhtiari, and you go through that whole list, but no Elton Jenkins coming back from the knee injury just yet. David Bakhtiari didn't play a snap last year, really. I mean, he just didn't look right and uh, wasn't good for the season because of that knee, and they didn't sound overly confident. Oh, yeah, he's 100%. He's ready to go. So do you think they did the right thing in picking up some additional offensive line depth? How do you think they did there?
1: I think they did a really good job with it. You know, I, I mentioned the UCLA kid, Sean Ryan. Uh Zach Tom was another player, you know, the tackle from Wake Forest that, you know, when you got into that sort of day two, early, like day three range, a lot of people were excited about where he might come off the board and there were some people that thought even higher kind of him, thought that he would probably get into, you know, maybe even late second round, early third, so to get him where they did at one forty overall, I thought was a very good pick. And then I'm not gonna i I'm not gonna sleep on Rasheed Walker, the the Penn State tackle where they got two forty nine overall. You know, you see some of the plays that he made, some of the ways he moves on the field, the athleticism, the footwork. He checked a lot of boxes when I studied him in terms of what you want to see from an NFL tackle. And so, you know, we know in this day and age, right, you you have to throw the football, but you need a good offensive line to do that. You need depth to do that when players go down. You just went through sort of some of the issues that the Packers had from an injury standpoint along the offensive line. And I thought the players they added throughout the draft process to address some of these needs were very good additions.
0: I like what the Packers have done overall. I think the only Achilles heel right now that everybody seems to want to talk about is the weaponry. Now, here's my question. How much better can Aaron Rodgers make? Let's say they don't do anything. How much better can Aaron Rodgers make the weapons that he has? They still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They still have the, the returning Robert Tanyan and Dominic Daphne and Mercedes Lewis. And they still have the returning wide receiving core. Is this a Super Bowl caliber team now? Or do you think they are only a piece or two away?
1: I mean, whenever you have 12, whenever you have guys like Brady and Rodgers and, and an elite quarterback, you put yourself into that mix to begin with because those are the players that, because of their experience, because of the way they can throw throw the football, because of you know not just the velocity but the placement, the ability to throw against leverage that Aaron Rodgers has at his disposal, he's going to make the players around him better. It's sort of that, if you think about the exercise that people go through every offseason of tiering quarterbacks, That elite tier, or those guys that are the proverbial quarterbacks that make everybody around them better. And Rodgers is still at this point in his career firmly in that tier. Now, that being said, you could always have more weapons, you could always have more pass catchers because just like with the offensive line depth, You know, receiving depth is also an issue. You get a couple of guys dinged up, and then suddenly, you know, you're looking at a receiving core that instead of, say, Watson and Lazard and Cobb and Watkins, now you're looking at, you know, Romeo Dubs and Amari Rogers sort of being your one-two in a worst-case scenario. So I still think another piece would be beneficial for this team. As constructed right now, if everybody tells me, yes, this is a team that can come out of the NFC. But things happen in the football season over the 17-game schedule. Guys are going to get banged up. So adding another piece will certainly help.
0: I like what the Packers have done. I feel good about it. I think this year is really going to be incumbent upon, uh, to me anyway, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, figuring out ways to get guys open. Also, a lot – wouldn't you assume there's going to be a lot of, say, Play action, movement. I'm not going to say it's necessarily the ride and the side offense because that's not what Aaron Rodgers does, but putting guys in motion and making this thing work and being on spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Bill, that's a part of sort of any effective offense, regardless of how good your quarterback is. It's, you know, everything you can do as an offensive coordinator or a play designer, play caller to give that quarterback information before the snap is always going to be beneficial. I mean, I talk a lot about that decision-making window for a quarterback. And while in most cases it's really snap to throw, if you could expand that decision-making window, given that quarterback information pre-snap, whether it's movement, motion, shift, and even personnel, to let that quarterback know, okay, I'm not 100% positive it's this coverage, but because of the shift and the movement of the personnel, I can be pretty sure. And so if it does play out that way, I know exactly where to go with the football whether you're a first-year player or a second-year player or guys in their 15th, 20th, 21st season, that will help you. The more you can expand that decision-making window. And so I would imagine that Coach LaFleur is going to find some ways to sort of expand that, particularly as we're seeing on the defensive side of the ball. Defenses have gotten so much better, Bill, at trying to disguise what they're doing. You know, the typical, you know, pre-snap cue is, oh, you send somebody in motion, a receiver trails them, oh, it's going to be man coverage. But, defenses have found ways to adjust zone coverages on the fly so you see that as a quarterback you see that motion man being trailed and you think oh yeah it's man coverage but they drop in the zone and now you've got to recalibrate your mind and your way of thinking and so the more ways you can respond to what defenses are doing pre-snap with personnel and movement and shifts and things like that the bigger that decision making window will be for the quarterback and the better the quarterback's eventual execution will be.
0: Talking with Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. Get him at Mark Schofield over on Twitter. So the rest of we'll say. Well, let's start with the division first. You got the Vikings. How much better do the Vikings get? And now, granted, they've got a coaching change. So do the Bears. The Lions are trying to bolster themselves, not necessarily for this year, but for years down the road. So tell me right now about the Vikings, who seem to be the the second best team in the division.
1: Yeah, and look, they certainly had a need that they identified going into this draft cycle that they had to get better in the secondary, and I, I do like. Not just Lewis, seeing the, the safety they drafted at the end of the first round when they traded sort of out of their pick inside the top fifteen. A lot of people said, "Look, they were going to stay pat at twelve and, and draft the best cornerback available." They said, "No, no, no, we'll trade out." You know, they slide back to thirty-two, and then they get Andrew Booth, the Clemson corner at forty-two. And I thought, you know, that was a very good pick because I thought Booth was somebody who was going to come off the board inside the top fifteen or so. Now I know injuries might have played a role there, um, and that probably is why he slid out to. 42 overall, but I do think that was a nice, very nice pick for them. You know, I'm a fan of Brian Osamoa, the linebacker from Oklahoma. You know, he's a bit more undersized. You know, years past, he'd probably be more of a safety in the NFL. But as we've gotten, you know, smaller on the defensive side of the ball, and even on the defensive front, we've seen linebackers come into the league that are built more like safeties. But he's got that sideline to sideline ability, and you know, some of it's a lot of different stuff in the Big 12 that it's working its way into the NFL. And so I think. He was a very nice pick as well. And so I like some of the pieces that they added. I mean would Minnesota really, as we all know, it's going to come down to do they have enough offensively? Can they generate explosive plays on the offensive side of the ball? Are we going to see, you know, the best of Kirk Cousins or are there going to be issues there? What do we see from the receivers as well? And so, you know, they have some issues that they'll have to figure out on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they might even have to slide at Ingram, who they drafted in the second round from LSU into, you know, their starting right guard spot. And we'll see how that plays out in camp. But you know, they added some pieces. They addressed needs on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it was a, a solid draft. Um, but certainly, like you said, when you look around the rest of the division, you know, you look at the Packers, and they certainly work right now to be the team to beat in the NFC North.
0: I was going to ask you as well when you, I, I agree with the Packers, but, you know, the Bears have brought in new coaching. They've tried to bolster the offensive line. They, they Without Allen Robinson, they're trying to do something with Justin Fields. They bring in Luke Getze from Green Bay uh, to kind of be his tutor, so to speak, for the offensive side of the football. How far away are the Bears from being relevant? Because that defense, I, it, it was really in its heyday a few years back, and it seems to be just deteriorating before our very eyes.
1: It does seem like, Bill, that Chicago's not just in a rebuild. It's like a tear down and rebuild. Like they've they torn this thing down to the studs, and they're working their way back from that. And a lot of the conversation right now, with respect to what they've done this offseason, is certainly focused on the offensive side of the ball and the weapons. And do they have enough around Justin Fields to get him where he needs to be? And, you know, Valise Jones Jr., the, the receiver they drafted in the third round, he's a nice little prospect. But on the older side, I think he just turned 25. Um, you've got some guys that have been in the league. I think Justin Jefferson's been in the league now for three years and he's not even close to 25 yet. So, you know, that's going to be something to watch. Darnell Moody is a nice receiver. We know Aquamania, St. Brown, but you know, there are some questions around the receiver position with respect to what the bears have done this off season. As you mentioned, the offensive line was a big question mark. And I'm not, I'm surprised that, you know, they addressed it with a fifth round pick Braxton Jones, but you know, I, I would have thought they would have addressed that a little bit earlier in the draft. And then you look at the defense, obviously they trade away Khalil Mack. They added two nice players, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon. Not brisker, the safety from Penn State, Gordon, the corner from Washington, who I think are very nice players. And still, Loquan Smith is a very nice linebacker, but this does look like a team that's two years away, maybe. I mean, maybe we're seeing it wrong. Maybe Ryan Pauls has identified the right players for what they want to do, and they're going to be in a much better position than we expect. You know, But sitting here right now at the start of May, Bill, I'm Rather skeptical about what they've done so far.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Mark. It's always a pleasure, man. I appreciate all the insight and information. Hey, hey, real quick, best team right now in the NFC. Give me, give it to me.
1: I mean, I'm always of the mind that you know when you're the champs, you get the right to stay atop the mantle for now. So we'll say the Rams, but I do think, look, sitting there right now, the Rams, the Packers, the Bucks—those are the three teams that I'm most confident in the NFC. We give the nod to the Rams because they got the belt right now. But when the games kick off in September, we'll really get a chance to
0: see it. Good stuff. Mark, appreciate it as always, pal. We'll talk to you soon, okay?
1: Sounds great, Bill. Thanks so much.
0: There you go, Mark Schofield. NFL Wire, you can find him over at Mark Schofield over on Twitter, at Mark Schofield over on Twitter. He has a lot of good things to say about the Green Bay Packers and thinking about their draft big time. So good stuff like that. Like that. Uh 867 1670 877 Really like some of the picks that they made, especially a guy like uh, Sean Ryan. Also, uh, Zach Tom, adding depth to the offensive line. Really likes Quay Walker and uh, what the Packers added right there. So, seems like the Packers picked up good guys. You just hope that they continue to solidify that team. And in addition to that, the guys that uh, are backing them up then become uh, solid players when it comes to uh, the special teams because God knows they need it. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show coming up this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at the Sunset Grill. If you're going out tonight, stop by, watch the sunset on Pewaukee Lake, sit out on, uh, on the patio area and uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Watch that Bucks game. They have TVs all over the place. I've always said, go in and ask Trish, who runs the place, say, Trish, do you still have the leather pants? Do you still have them? Leather pants, yes or no? But they got really good food, really good beverages, and it's that beachy kind of lake cottage season. So stop over to uh, uh, Sunset Grill over on Pewaukee Lake and tell them we said hi. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket,
1: this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio
2: Network.
0: Uh oh. Uh oh. Got another one. According to our buddy ESPN Steve, we got another one. I'll tell you what it is coming up in just a moment. Uh, Stay tuned for that. I just can't believe people are still doing this. Hey, if you're looking for a great place to go and watch the game tonight, another place, downtown uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee's best sports bar, that is Stenny's. Second to National, Walker's Point. Stop in and get yourself some of the world-famous Bloody Marys and or Wings. Bill Michaels, garlic cheese bread, and get ready for the Bucks and Celtics. Game five coming up tonight. So um, our buddy ESPN Steve says, Ben, That uh, there has been another hand gluing to the
3: counter at Starbucks. Did you see that? Oh, God. No, but I just looked it up. And have you seen the TV show Succession? I have not. It is a very prominent actor from that show. That has glued his hands to the counter at Starbucks? To a midtown Manhattan Starbucks uh, incensed by the, quote, senseless upcharge for non-dairy milk. Shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the article. The Washington Post tweeted it around 12 hours ago. Oh, my God. That's James Cromwell.
0: James Cromwell has glued himself, actor, longtime animal rights activist, James Cromwell, super glued his hand to a Starbucks counter in New York City. Uh, this happened yesterday, I guess. And he protested the coffee chain's extra charges for vegan milk. Well, here's the thing. If it costs more, it costs more. Right? I, it, it, I, I only would assume that if it costs a lot less than regular dairy milk and or creamer, it would be less than regular dairy milk or creamer, the same way with soy. You know, I don't know what non-vegan milk is, unless they're getting it out of almonds, and I don't even know how they make almond milk because I don't get it, but...
3: But... (laughs) what? I don't know. I have no clue. Police
0: officers eventually arrived and then shut down the store. While most of the protesters dispersed, video showed Cromwell and another man inside the store a little bit longer
3: as they tried to unstick themselves from the counter. So if we're talking about the different prices of milk, why would why would people then go to Starbucks in general? It's ridiculous. That's that's my next question. Well, if you don't want to pay it, don't go. Starbucks coffee in New York City is like seven bucks, six bucks, I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know every now and then cause i'm not a I'm not a coffee drinker. So I, during Christmas time, I'll go and get like a hot chocolate at Starbucks because my tradition was go cut down a Christmas tree, you get the Starbucks hot chocolate. I'd take me and the dogs and I'd go get, it, and I still do that. Uh, I do it without the dogs now, obviously, but I still go and get the Christmas tree and I get the hot chocolate. That's really the only time I go to Starbucks. Now, Kristen, every now and then will do it. And she has switched over to soy milk and all that stuff because she just is really being trying to be anyway, very, you know, calorie conscious. Um, so, but you know what it is? It's like, it's like five bucks. For a venti iced latte with soy milk and something else and sugar and blah, 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 blah you know, whatever whatever the hell kind of thing, slap a and, you know, whatever. But it's like five bucks. And they, what's funny is is then we'll be in a store and she'll go, oh, I'm not paying $3 for that. I'm like, you just bought a drink for $5 short of going to the ballpark. I would never spend that. What are you doing? It's all in priorities, I guess. But uh, And I don't put down people to go to Starbucks. Go do it if that's what you want to do. And I don't begrudge you. But <laughs> if you don't like them upcharging for vegan milk, then don't go. You don't go in and ruin the business for the day by gluing your dumbass hand to the counter. Crazy-ass clown. But he was making a statement. What else are people going to glue themselves to? So here's my next question. What do you do after that? Then what? You glued yourself to a counter. I've always said I just keep my business open. I'd make sure that wherever you glued yourself, I would just step around you. I would have things prepared. I'd have my staff bring my staff together. Come here, guys. Come here, girls. Let's go. Come on. Okay, if if this ass clown comes through the door and glues himself to the counter here, uh, we're going to make everything mobile. We're going to leave him there, and we're just going to step over, and we're going to go around him. As long as he doesn't cause a major disturbance, we can just have him arrested, but we're not going to close down. So we're just going to move our business to here. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, great. Ready, break. And then here comes the ass clown through the door. want ah, ah, want. I don't want an upcharge for milk. Okay, very much noted. Talk to you later. Thank you very much. Next! And I just keep working around him. Just keep working around him. Until people finally got so pissed off, that they, it's like you're, you're stuck. Now you've glued yourself to the counter. If people want to wail on you, they'll just wail on you. You come in, you do this. You just take a beat down. That's the way it is. You get beat up because of uh, you're, you're annoying the hell out of everybody else. So be it. So be it. And then that nonsense stops. You could always, you know, draw attention. If you walked with a protest sign outside of Starbucks, but instead you go in and actually glue yourself to the counter, the only thing that's going to prevent me from doing is actually seeing whatever muffin it is I want to grab that day. There you go. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Sometimes you just got to, you know, let. It's. I had a friend of mine, and he was African-American, and and we were at a bar, and I've told this story a thousand times. He was at a bar uh, up in Columbus at the time and uh, he had some racial stuff dropped on him. And I'm all fired up. I'm ready to drop down for this guy. Hey, we're, it's like, we're here we go. We're going to go whoop these guys' ass. And he looked at me, and he said, don't worry about it. He said, it only hurts if I let it hurt. And I said, yeah, but. He's like, no, 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 no. That's for me. That's not you. That's for me. And I got it. I understood it. So if you don't let it bother you, it doesn't bother you. They have nothing to do. The protest doesn't matter. So I just say, move on. You know, next... What would you like? Oh, venti, uh, you know, coffee. Okay, great. You know, any sugars with that? Okay. How about that creamer? Want any creamer with that? Want some of that that, that dairy product? Non vegan. You'll pay the upcharge. Great. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away and get out of this particular segment of the program. Coming up, we're going to talk a lot of bucks today. Bucks in five tonight in Beantown, hoping to uh, take a uh, an advantage over the Boston Celtics before they come back to the Surf Forum. Cross your fingers. They get a good one tonight. They need a big one tonight. We're going to talk about difference makers this evening. We're also going to talk about your – I still have yet to get a lot of commentary on do you feel this is a must-win? If if you don't, tell me why. Tell me why. If you do and you're right there with me, tell me why. Is this a must-win game tonight for your Milwaukee Bucks? 877-867-1670. Hit us up over on the Bud Light live stream. Find me over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels. Email the program, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Plenty of ways to stay in touch. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Quick Trip. And right now, if you go in and use your quick rewards card and use your, uh, get yourself a Pepsi product, get yourself some Jack Links, whatever it happens to be, you can get yourself registered to win a brand new Camaro SS. That is part of the uh, Quick Trip 250, which is going to be taking place at the NASCAR event up at uh, Road America this year. Cannot wait for that, but you could possibly win a car. Plus, they're giving away weekly prizes. Go into Quick Trip. Just see everything they have to offer, like I did yesterday. Stop in and get registered. It doesn't cost you anything to get registered. Just stop in and get registered. Good stuff from our friends over there at Quick Trip. Uh, if you want to give us a shout again, 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. our friends over there at Epoxy Flooring Done Right uh, doing this stuff all over the state of Wisconsin, whether it's Milwaukee, Green Bay, Madison, everything in between. Right now they're finishing up the Dockhound Stadium as the uh, Dockhounds, one of the newest baseball teams in the Northwoods League, going to be uh, playing uh, in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And they were asked to do that stadium. So Sean and his crew continue to get uh, bigger and better jobs all over the place. But if you want them to do your home, whether it's a Wisconsin home, a business owner, maybe a, maybe a showroom, or when you talk about industrial epoxy fluorine coating services, polyurea coating services, different colors, different finishes, even painting, they can do uh, located uh, right here in Wisconsin. So you don't have to go fishing for them all over the state of Illinois or in Iowa or anywhere else for that matter. Get a hold of Sean directly. 262 443 2852. 262 443 2852. Again, 262 443 2852. Or simply go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Again, epoxyflooringdoneright.com, and uh, see what they can do for you because they did a great job. Great job on uh, the gym in my house. Just absolutely fantastic down in the basement. So the Bucks tonight, big one coming up. Uh, I think it's a must-win. Ben feels it's kind of a must-win. We both have picked uh, the Bucks to get beat by about four or five points, something like that. They just haven't looked good ever since game one. Um, in, in the meantime, uh, they need Drew Holiday to step up. Drew Holiday says his approach, not going to change.
2: Missing a lot that I usually make. Um still confident, still going to take the shots. And, I mean, that's all I really can do. I'm not going to be passive or, or submissive. Just be confident and, and try to look at it go through the room.
0: Can't change what you do. You just got to keep shooting. Got to keep working on it. Meanwhile, Wesley Matthews says, going to come down. And, and he says this, not me, because I always feel that this is kind of a tenuous argument. Uh, but there are times when, as analysts or as somebody that does a talk show or what, or just a fan, you look at it and go, wow, they just wanted it more. And And it's kind of hard to say how much a player or a team actually wants to win because everybody wants to win. But Wesley Matthews says this: It's going to come down to who wants it more.
2: One hundred percent. This is this was Game Four, so the eighth time now that the Milwaukee Bucks have played against the Boston Celtics. I don't think there's going to be too many ripples that we haven't seen. So yeah, it's going to come down to who wants it, who's going to sacrifice their body more, who's going to play together more, longer, and uh, who's going to who's going to take care of business when it's time to
0: who wants it more, who, who wants to, you know, sacrifice their body more. I've all, for fans to say that that's one thing, because it's very hard to measure the amount of heart in a player. It's hard to say that guy doesn't want it. You know, there are times you can look and say that guy could have dove when this guy did and the other guy didn't and, and you, okay, you know, you can get into that, but I never try to calculate the heart of a player. Sometimes you can look at it and go, ah, eh, you know, that guy's not as into it as some of the other guys are. But uh, Wesley Matthews says, look, it's it's going to come down to who, w- 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 from inside that locker room, he's now saying it. So, yeah, he's he's right there. Uh, and, and in the meantime, he says, nobody thought, when it com- comes to the Boston Celtics, and I pointed to this series as the biggest one anyway from the very beginning because I thought the, the Celtics – the Celtics down the stretch, when the Bucs were kind of taking it easy, load management, resting players, didn't matter if they got the two or if they got the three and you know because, oh, you know, you didn't want Brooklyn. Meanwhile, you got the Boston Celtics going, bring it, bring it. We, we're going to get better. We're going to win down the stretch. We're going to continue to win. We're going to take that two spot. We, we, who cares if we have to play them both? We don't care. We want it. Bring it. And they've been playing better. And sure enough, they ended up just completely disposing of the Brooklyn Nets, and they're on the verge of doing so to the Milwaukee Bucks if the Bucks don't wake up and get a win tonight and bring home court advantage, advantage back to the Fiserv Forum. So that being said, Wesley Matthews says nobody
2: thought this was going to be an easy series. If it was easy to make the playoffs, every team would be in the playoffs. If it was easy to get to the semis, every team would get to the semis. It's hard. It's hard as hell. It's a lot of work involved. A lot of multiple efforts, sacrificing your body, keeping your mind clear, keeping your mind free, uh, knowing that every possession means a lot, but at the same time, you can't hold your head too high, can't hold your head low at all, and you got to bounce back.
0: Got to bounce back big time. That's what it's all about. When you fight, when you see adversity, you got to be able to overcome. And the Bucs did that last year. They went on to win a championship. This year, they're facing it. Without Chris Middleton, they've got to bounce back. They've got to have guys contribute, and they've got to pull this one out. Wesley Matthews also says they always knew that this was going to be a fight with the Celtics.
2: You know, it's going to be a hard-fought game. It's going to be a hard-fought series. We knew that going into the series. We knew that when we took game one. We knew that when we went up 2-1. Uh, it's going to be a battle. We expect that, and we has got to be better. We won every quarter but one. And that was the most important one. So take the good with it, uh, learn from the bad, and and move on.
0: Mm, I wouldn't say they've won every quarter but one. They've been outscored in the fourth quarter by 28. The fourth quarter has been the determining factor, but they've lost quarters along the way. But when you talk about the totality of winning quarters, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, they've been losing the fourth quarter consistently, and in close games you can't do that, especially – it's kind of indicative of how this team has shot down the stretch. They have not found open looks. They have not spaced the floor. They have not passed the ball well, and they have not hit the open looks. They need to do that. Matthews agrees. They got the work cut out for them.
2: We just got to do the work. This is a, this is a tough team. This is a great team. They play hard. You're gonna have to really you're gonna have to put them away. And uh, so now we got our work cut out for us going into Game Five.
0: So there you go. Wesley Matthews talking about the upcoming contest tonight. Bucks and Celtics this evening in uh, in Boston. And, uh, again, the statistic is 70% of the teams that at tie to two games apiece that win game five go on to win the series, which is why this is so vital tonight. Uh, Brett says, I say yes. This is a must win for plenty of reasons. One, gain confidence and a chance to close it out at Fiserv. Two, only have to win one out of the next two games. Three, Stats-wise, 83% go on to win the series after winning game five. Personal, uh, five uh, personal, uh, just think we uh, win game five. Giannis uh, Adenokounmpo and the Bucs will then close it out in game six. Won't allow Boston to win again at the Fiserv Forum. Go Bucks! fear the deer, Bucks in six. There you have it. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hit us up, again, 877-867-1670. And uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. We'll come back, get some more thoughts. Got some emails coming in. Hit me up over on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. Hit us up there. Also, you can find us uh, via email, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Got some emails to get to, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Hang in there. A lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. It's all coming up right after this. to have you back hey wisconsin we are not snobby by any stretch of the imagination snooty no pretentiousness uh it's midwestern charm that's it that's what we got for you i've been talking now about a new sponsor called forgotten fire winery they are in Peshtigo, and they are all about just fun in a bottle that's their claim with or without attitude come on bring it uh you can find their full lineup of wines and ciders in their tasting room. they got a cool tasting room. I'm going to get up there and uh, kind of check it all out firsthand. But And I can't wait to do that. Hopefully here in the next, uh, I don't know, three, four weeks, something like that. i got to get up that way. Uh, and then stop over and see our people uh, over at uh, Four Seasons Island Resort. Probably stay up there and ride a motorcycle around a little bit. But you can find all of it in their tasting room. Or look for it. Ask for it. Say, hey, by the way, do you got Forgotten Fire Winery at uh, your local liquor store, grocery store, wine store? Winery is a great place to just get away big time. Go up there for the tasting. You can sound snooty, even though we know we're not, because it's just, you know, faking it. Uh, But they have some live music up there. They've got private events all year long. So if you're thinking about maybe doing something at a winery as an event, whether it's a wedding, a shower, a bachelorette party, bachelor party, uh, take some clients For a a different type of event. Anytime's a great time for Forgotten Fire Wines and Ciders. It's a Wisconsin wine made from Wisconsin people. And it just continues to spread and do great things. That's our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. Again, go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. There you go. Hey, Ben, uh, you're 76ers. What the hell happened last night? Oh,
3: that is they a got great their, question.
0: We were talking yesterday about whether or not James Harden would show up. We've seen a glimpse now. Maybe he's going to be here. He's going to. He looked like blank last night. I can't even say the word or we're off the air. So he it was, was terrible.
3: I mean, it was him. It was Embiid. It was the entire team. They just didn't have life. I think lethargic and uninspired are fair words to describe it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Miami Heat are not a star. Jimmy Butler is a star. But aside from that, they do not have star power. But they outworked them in every facet. Every time, yep. a, every time a ball clanked off the the backboard or the basket, I had zero confidence the Sixers would get the rebound. None, even on the defensive I, side.
0: I watched that game, and Embiid was hurting. Even even after, I mean, even before he took the kind of the the basketball to the face that ended up sending him down because he's wearing that, you know. Uh, Phantom of the Opera mask because yeah. of the uh, crushed orbital bone around his eye that he ended up sustaining a couple of games ago. Um, so it was painful watching him take that shot to the face and then go down and take the mask off and such. But even before that, he's he's playing with some pain. He knows, you know, you know you got to be out there. They don't stand a chance without him. But he looked lethargic. He's got an excuse. He's dudes playing with a broken face. What the hell happened to James Harden? They were killing James Harden on the four-letter network today, killing him, uninspired, lethargic, pathetic, cashed it in, doesn't get along with Doc Rivers. You know, he wanted his way out of Houston, so he got got fat, just wasn't playing well, ended up going to Brooklyn, thought he was going to be all that there didn't play well with others, ended up getting traded over to uh, the 76ers where everything is set up for him to be successful. He can go in and beat a co-man with Embiid, outside, inside, got a very player-friendly guy in Doc Rivers, everything he's ever wanted, and he's still an ass. I've always said you're never going to win with that guy, and now we're kind of seeing it. But, man, for a big game like that, what a pathetic performance.
3: Yeah, I think the criticisms are fair. I mean, a lot of times role players follow the lead of the stars. If the stars don't have any energy, like Tyrese Maxey last night, he's a second year player. He's young. He was jogging back on defense. You could see it kind of bottled down to what the role players were doing. One analysis I heard that I really I don't agree with, though, Charles Barkley said last night that he thinks Embiid wasn't playing well because he was shook for not winning the MVP. That it's weighing on him so much that he can't go out and play well. I think that that's is crap. is an unfair take on it. I mean, this guy's playing through torn ligaments in his shooting hand, a broken face, and and all that stuff. He didn't bring the energy, and and he'll go out and say that that we all didn't bring the energy. But I don't think bringing the MVP into this is fair. Yeah, I yeah, that's just crap.
0: You know, to say that he's not doing well because he didn't win the MVP. I mean, if anything, you would throw that on your shoulders. You would say, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to go out and prove that I should have been the MVP. Not that I'm going to, you know, pack up my lunch and go home. I just think Embiid, uh, he just hasn't looked right because of the face. Yeah. Uh, I'll give him the pass on that. He looked like he was... Like in pain.
3: Like somebody get that man some something that's got pain medication to it. Which that type of thing boils down to, Bill. Why is his face broken? Because the Sixers were up 25 points in game six against the Raptors with three minutes left. Mm-hmm. Playoff teams, I saw a stat are four thousand and O when they are up twenty five with three minutes left. Guess who was right. still on the court in that situation? Thank yeah. you, Doc Rivers. Right. Joel Embiid right. was. He gets elbowed in the face, and now the season's probably gonna end because of that.
0: Yep. No, that I agree. Completely agree. Eight seven 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 seven
3: seven seven eight Um last night boy, did, by the way, go ahead. Last night did continue to confirm though, the winner of this Buck Celtic series is going to the finals. Right. The, the Heat aren't that good. No. Jimmy Butler's getting hot. Yeah, and they bring Jimmy Butler's getting hot. They play hard, they bring energy, but they're not that good. No, um,
0: but yeah, I mean, I agree because we said that at the beginning of the series, we said with, without a doubt that uh, that the winner of this series was going to be the the uh, representative, if you will. Oh, by the way, uh, the, I was going to say this: uh, the Bucks, uh, nine and a half underdogs. I'm seeing, I'm I'm watching Bally's, and they got a bet uh, a betting show on right now tonight's contest, nine and a half for a for a money line. Is all the money starting to come in on? Uh, on Boston, all of a sudden, it was five you mean, and a heavy half money yesterday. No, I still see five and a half. Okay, uh, well, they just had it up at nine and a half, and I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute! When did that change?" I can see it going up by a point, but not four. Holy mackerel! Um, coming up in the next hour, we're gonna get back into some bucks chatter. Gonna talk some bucks basketball, and uh, looking forward to it, and really start to break down what's coming up tonight. So hang in there for that. Uh, we're, we're also got some Brewers. We'll give you some Brewers update. Brewers. By the way, I'm getting a lot of people that are saying, "Where are the Brewers at?" Brewers are over on YouTube. Brewers are on YouTube right now, scoreless, but the Brewers are on YouTube. That game just got underway down in Cincinnati. Actually, now one nothing Cincinnati. Is it one nothing now? Yeah. Okay, bottom one. So uh, the Reds, you know, when when the we all know it can heat up, and the Reds can actually hit the baseball in, in bunches. We saw it here. Uh, at uh, American Family Field. And we saw it last night, obviously, they didn't go away. But it's just whether or not their pitching is good enough to sustain because their pitching is just so bad. They may win or they may lose a game you know, by four runs, but they'll lose it nine to five. They'll still play five, but they just don't have enough pitching to get it done. So hopefully the Brewers get a win in this rubber match. Uh, so that's where you find the game. You can't look on As You go to YouTube.com, just search Brewers, and it should pop right up. It should be there for you. So watch the game and continue to listen to the program. It's that simple. It's that simple. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. It's coming up right after this. Hang in there. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.